0: everybody welcome back to who's your band uh, i am jeffrey paul i am finally back after a couple of week absence of doing the show from my car and traveling um i actually able to do this in my own podcast studio and i am joined by my co-host mr sean morton how are you sean
1: oh jeffrey i get to see your smiling face and hear your voice loud and clear what else could i ask for in this world? <laughs> You do get to do that. Um, I want to bring in our guest right away um, because
0: we have been trying to get this, this woman on our show for the last couple of weeks, and she's really got an interesting background and an interesting story. So I, I really want to like, I'm really excited to be talking to her. She's a model. She's an actress. She's an author. And I heard through the rumor mill that she may be into the fudge business. I'm not sure not about anymore, this. no. But we'll, we'll we'll find out. Let's please introduce Miss Carrie Stevens. How are you, Carrie?
2: Hi, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I did watch your episode uh, with Bloss where you were broadcasting from the car. It was quite entertaining. Uh, so good job! I don't know how you pulled that off.
1: He's a great guy. Great. I guy. love Bloss.
2: I have known Bloss, uh Well, I I guess. Uh, well, when they were when Slaughter was recording. Um, Uh, An old roommate of mine was dating Mark and the whole band was uh, staying with Dana and Bloss. uh, So I was friends with other girlfriends and wives. Bloss Bloss actually gave me uh, their demo tape and I gave it to Eric Carr. Eric gave it to Gene Simmons. And that's how Slaughter got on the Hot in the Shade tour.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you because Bloss had brought you know you, you mentioned the last episode he brought that up yeah. and you had a hand in getting block uh, getting slaughter signed. To it's a so label. nice of
2: them. Yeah, I, I'm always hearing uh, he and Mark giving uh, me that credit. So of course I don't, you know, like, but you know, it goes full circle, which is really interesting because it's actually thanks to them inadvertently that I became a playmate because. Uh, Dana's then wife uh, Peggy was in Playboy and she's the one years later I contacted to say hey do you think I could be a playmate and so she's the one that got me in Playboy so they helped my career (laughs) I'm not like in a strange you know everything comes around you know very
0: we'll we'll, we'll get to Playboy in a second but I want to really get to know you a little bit and first off where did you grow up Carrie?
2: In Hardwick, Massachusetts. Which is in a Massachusetts. little town in the mold of, and right smack that there's a rock in that town that marks the centermost point of Massachusetts.
0: Uh, and were you growing up? Were you always interested in acting, modeling? What back then? Uh,
2: in high school, I wanted to be an MTV VJ. Um, you know, I always wanted to be a rock journalist. Um, I always had an interest in music and. Um, I did study journalism in college, but I got bored. Um, I wanted to be in front of the camera. So when I moved out to LA, it was kind of a natural thing that I wound up in acting. So um,
0: before we get to you moving out to LA, let's stay in high school for a second. Because Sean, I don't know if you know this about Carrie, but Carrie, is it true that when you were in high school, you interviewed you two for your school newspaper?
2: I did. Um, how did a, a high school student us. from
0: Massachusetts pull that off?
2: Um, well, you know, I was entertainment editor of my school newspaper, and we tried to do it, you know, the normal way. Like, we wrote letters to the band's management, and um, it was then called The Centrum in Worcester, Massachusetts, where the band was playing. Mm-hmm. We, we wrote all kinds of letters asking, you know, if we could come interview the band. We were fans, and we got no response, no response, and then... Um, My girlfriend, Tanya and I were were standing kind of on the in our seats that were kind of like side of the stage. And uh, I smiled at the right guy. I just happened to (laughs) smile at somebody and he smiled back and the lights came up and I heard a slap on my thigh. And I looked down and there was a backstage pass stuck to my leg. And I said, oh, my God, can my friend have one, too? So he gave her one. And so that's how we got our interview. I went backstage afterwards and I talked to Bono. He talked to me about how important college radio is. And I talked to Adam Clayton, who was telling me about the um, limo accident. Like he just a small accident. But on the way there, uh, the driver had got him in. And um, and I talked to the Edge. The only one that wasn't there uh, was the was the drummer. Um, So. Uh, it was yeah. So I got my interview, and that's 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 how I learned about feminine wiles. That's how I learned, <laughs> you know. That you know. I mean, I was so young. I didn't. I, it was by accident. I learned uh, that little trick of who who to smile at, and that you know. Yeah, I, I tried that. I, did, I tried that before. I, but I did still <laughs> stick to my original goal, and I did get my interview. And I and I do still have. A copy of it
0: nice so you go so after that you wind up going to college you realize hey journalism being behind the scenes isn't for me and you just kind of like what in your early 20s you just decide to move out
1: to la from massachusetts
2: well you're making it more logical than it actually was um, I wouldn't <laughs> have been that that's the first time <laughs>
1: anybody's ever called jeff logical by the way just so you know <laughs> uh
2: yeah it didn't happen exactly like that um I was in college and I had gone on vacation to L.A. I met some of my friends from Massachusetts during like a Christmas, New Year's in L.A. So I got my first taste of L.A. and then I couldn't focus on school anymore. So um,
0: what year is this about, Carrie? That was
2: 1989. 1989.
0: Yeah, because okay, and, and at that time was, the, sunset is the sunset strip was still the sunset
2: strip. New Year's Eve that turned into nineteen eighty nine, uh, January. I got I. That was so very early in nineteen eighty nine. Um, so Christmas nineteen eighty eight and New Year's 1999. So I've been on back, I went back to college in January. I like I just daydreamed about the Sunset Strip all day instead of focusing on school, and then I just. I did something crazy, and uh, I just packed my bags. I hid them behind my bed. And my stepmother one day said, "Where do you think you're going, Los Angeles?" And I said, "Yep." And I got in my car, and my dad said, "You'll be back in two weeks." And uh, yeah, it's been over thirty years. And <laughs> I'm you do not have
0: any jobs, anything, nothing lined so up. I was,
2: I was, at, I was well, I, I was a little. I did. I had a job in Memphis at the Ramada. Hotel and I actually just, I obviously quit without giving them notice. I and I was so ballsy and caught, I must have been a bit stupid, but I guess ignorance is bliss because I applied at the Ramada West Hollywood, which was newly opening at the time. Um, as soon as I got, I had $200 in my Toyota Selka. I get here and I find out that they're hiring front desk people at the Ramada West Hollywood. So I apply and I give my reference. For the manager in Memphis, who I just, well, I didn't, I was so naive, like I told you, I can't believe I dared give him a reference, but even though he gave me a bad uh, referral, they hired me anyway, probably because I was cute, you know, so once again, you know, this is the story of my life, you know, so I got that job and um, yeah, I think I just kind of landed on my feet, acting Madeline didn't come until a little bit later, Um, but that's, you know, (laughs)
0: Well, how did you get into acting and modeling so now you're in la you're working the front desk at the ramada you know how do do you you know what's your first big break what what's your first time on a set like
2: um i was actually at a dentist's office in uh burbank in the waiting room and a lady came up to me and she said are you union or non-union and i said uh Non, I guess, because I was thinking like truck driver union or something. I did not know. What <laughs> like a team Yeah,
0: you look like I, a
2: team I about. Right. I just, I wasn't in any union, so I just said non, I guess. And she said, uh, how would you like to go on a cruise for a week? It's an NBC movie of the week. You know, we're looking for, you know, um, basically high end background performers that would look good in a bikini. And would you mind auditioning, you know, for the producer in a bikini? And I said, no, I wouldn't mind. Okay, I'll do it. And I got the job. So I got uh, to go on a cruise for a week with the then all the stars of you know, the NBC shows that were popular at the time. And um, I got to be on a set. And that's when I started to think of acting as a real career because where I grew up in Massachusetts, you don't do that. Like, you know, you have to have a normal job, like be a teacher or right. a lawyer or a doctor, you know, like nobody where I grew up thinks of having a career as an actress. So I learned from being on that set that it is a real career. And um, I got the bug. I wanted to do it. So, um, yeah, that's, I won't get too far ahead. I'll answer your questions as you.
0: Yeah, because then you wound up getting into, uh, was it a a soap opera
2: Oh my God, I have an audition for General Hospital that I have to do right when after we're done. I'm still at it after all these years. Believe me, I say to myself, like, why do you still do this? Like, do you know how many times I've auditioned for that show? How many times I've screen tested? I joke with them and say you should invite me to your Christmas party from now on. <laughs> because I I'm and I'm still I I still haven't gotten on it like all these years. But I yes, back then I I my first acting job um was days of our lives. Not yeah, So it was days of our lives back in I think it was 1992, I booked a recurring role on Days of Our Lives. Yeah. Oh, so, so, that, that wasn't my first job. I think my first job was um, Weird Science, the, the TV show. I booked mm-hmm. the pilot episode um, of that show. So as long as I can't remember what I do, I have to like look at my own resume at this point. to like. <laughs> it's, well,
0: you, you, yeah. you've, you've been in quite a bit of things. You were also in Rockstar with plus right? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. you were in that. Um, and then somehow, seven years later, you become uh, the June
2: 1997 uh, well, playmate Rockstar, of the month. Rockstar was in 2000. We shot that. So I was Miss June right. 1997 before Rockstar.
0: So. That's right. So how how does, how does that come about?
2: Oh, it's so weird. You're going to think I'm such a weirdo. It actually came about because... I was doing this meditating called rebirthing, which is back then it wasn't as well known. Now it's called connected breathing and like every yoga class has, you know, breathing. It's, you know, by a bunch of different names. And now now it's very common, the breath work, that's what they call it now. But it was called rebirthing um, back when I got into it. And it was in this rebirthing session, this deep meditation where I felt like I was connecting to my higher power and I swear like I just heard voices like my spirit guides telling me to do Playboy. I know that sounds bizarre, but that is what happened. And as soon as I drove away, I called Peggy, who used to be married to Dana Strum, and said, Hey, do you think that I could be a playmate? And she said, sure. She said, she said, let me refer you because I'll get a thousand dollar finder fee. So basically I uh started working out and eating fish and vegetables like every night, (laughs) a hard boiled egg every morning. And, um, yeah. And and, uh, four months later, I felt like I was ready to go audition for it. And I got in the very next issue.
0: So. What's the audition process like for something like that?
2: Well, everything's different now, but back then, uh, they had what was called an open call day, like every other Thursday, but since Peggy, Sent my pictures in. I was at the top of the list like they were expecting me Um, and I almost walked out because like the other girls that were sitting there in the waiting room looked like hookers and I was like, I don't know if this is for me like they were. But I had read this article about um, Jenny McCarthy and how she got playmate of the year and that she went to her audition like in a little business suit, all professional. So that's how I looked that day. I copied what I read Jenny McCarthy did. So if it worked for her, I figured it worked for me. But all the other girls were dressed like in the middle of the daytime, like they work at a strip joint with clear plastic shoes and little rubber dresses. And, you know, it was, it was intimidating. I almost walked out and then they called my name. And uh, basically you just have to... Uh, pose for, you know, they tell you the positions and you're completely naked except for your shoes and you do like their basic, you know, poses they instruct you to do. It's all very professional and at their Polaroids at the time. And, you know, and then uh, I got a call the next week um, from the editor and she was excited. She wanted me to come in and screen, te- uh, screen when when you, when you do the actual test, it's with the actual photographer, makeup artist, stylist that would actually do your real shoot if you make it. Um, so those pictures, even though they were my test made it, uh, they're all over the world. Uh, you know, they, they, they own you basically once you sign your life away when you do it. So, um, anyway, I never left. They just said, would you just keep shooting? So I, it, t- it takes a long time. Like it's our job to make things look easy, but The centerfold typically takes just for that one photo, five days. And then your small camera, which is the small photos that are all around, you know, the rest of the pictures in your uh, issue takes another three weeks. And then you have to do your uh, video. Back then we each had our own video. And I think that was another week on top of that. So, um, yeah, but I, you know, I really enjoyed all of it. it. They made me very comfortable. Um, very professional, but felt like family. I had a great 20 year run, um, both professionally with Playboy and personally, uh, on the Playboy mansion social side, I had a wonderful 20 year run, um, with them. So no regrets at all.
1: I was the mansion? Is it, is it like as glorious as everybody thinks it is?
2: Well, it was, it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's demolished, really sad. Um, but it was, it was glorious. It was my home away from home. So does something,
0: like, does something like that pay really well. Is that enough to like set you up for a couple of months? When uh, you, you get that, had,
2: I think I made about a hundred grand my first year with playmate playboy. So, um, not you're typically back then. Um, and now I don't even, it says not even, I, I have to stop talking about now. So I'll tell you what it was back then. I think when I did it, it was 25,000. Um, then it went up to 30,000, like right after I, did it, which was the height of, height of it. Then when, you know, then it went down from there, but that's, but it was It's So it's not just, it's what you make of it. Like say I got that 25,000 for the centerfold, but then they kept hiring me for other things. Like, you know, I would do a calendar. I would do the a playmate girls of something video. I would do. So the playboy catalog, I tons of personal appearances all over the world. So it's not, So when I it's like, does it pay? It's kind of it's different for every girl. It's like if you um, are good at it, you can, you know, which I I was, you know, you had they and they base they base um, play hiring a playmate a lot, not just on your looks, but your ability to be personable because you're a brand representative. Like you're not going to just be in the magazine. You're going to be traveling all over the world, representing the magazine, meeting people, posing, you know, for pictures, representing the brand. So, um, you know, I've there, believe me, there's a lot, I've seen a lot of girls, I think that are way more beautiful than I am that got turned down. And I've asked the photographers there, why? And they said, because of their attitude. (laughs) So.
1: I've got a pretty decent attitude and I got like a 54, like solid B. What should, <laughs> me, what should my rate be uh, if I if I try and go into Playboy?
2: Well, uh, sadly, oh, there's gosh. no Playboy to go into. People always ask me like how I can get their daughters in these days. And I'm like, I wouldn't recommend it because there's really no Playboy anymore. Everything's it's gone. It's all
1: digital now, right?
2: Uh, it, it's, yeah, I think they only have – there's no miss of the month anymore. It's only online and there's like – Oh, four playmates a year, so there isn't really a playmate anymore, in my opinion, because you're not a month anymore, and there's no personal appearances. I mean, when reality TV and Instagram models came in, then hiring playmates to be at events kind of went out of style. Um, things changed, uh, and you know when the the Playboy Mansion. Ended and, and Hugh Hefner died. It was it was just like the the end of an era that there was already they were all struck they were already struggling to keep it afloat. Um, you know, so all good so, things must come to an end. Very
0: true. It, so but let's let's switch gears a little bit here. Um, you you also dated Eric Carr from uh, the you know the drummer from Kiss. Uh, were you always into to rock? Were you always attracted to that type of a guy like you went to that whole sunset scene?
2: Um. Well, as soon as I found out about it, I, I was obsessed with it. But yeah, even before that, um, when I was. Uh, I knew a guy with long hair, I knew I liked that. It was basically David Lee Roth did that to me. It was basically um, when I went to go see Van Halen in 1984 and David Lee Roth came out on stage and I was like. Wow, like, I just, it's like, I don't know if you've seen that meme of Olivia Newton-John, you know, in the beginning of Grease when she's all innocent, and then right. and then there's a meme, like, before Van Halen and after Van Halen, and then she's yes. in her leather jacket, like, right. all badass with the cigarette. Yeah, that's kind of what happened to me after my first Van Halen concert, so... I would tell all my friends in Massachusetts, I want to meet a guy with long hair. I want to meet a guy with long hair, but we have none in my small town where I grew up. There just there weren't any. And um, so I knew I liked it before I even met it. Um, but then I moved to Memphis, Tennessee, um, my senior year of high school, and there was plenty there in Memphis. There's a, a great music scene there. And, um, you know, I met so many uh, friends there, you know with and so many bands with long hair it was it's like rocker heaven there and that's where i met eric was in memphis tennessee uh, on during the crazy nights tour and um
0: you guys meet were you at the concert and and again someone gave you a backstage pass
2: uh, yeah kind of he he well he did but he didn't know he gave it to me it was actually um the night of the concert um i was there with three girlfriends and we went to the Peabody hotel where
0: I love that place.
2: Yeah. We knew where all the bands stayed. The opening bands always stayed at the Radisson next door and the main band stayed at Peabody. So we went to, we often went to the Peabody for drinks before a show and, and, uh, uh, Eric was on his way down the corridor out of the hotel and Kathy, who was a friend of mine, but she was, I don't know, probably 20 years older than me. You know, she'd already she already knew all the rock stars and she had met Eric before. So she went up to him. He, he was rushing down the corridor to get out the door to the venue. And she just went up and was chatting with him and walked away with backstage passes and gave them to the rest of us. Um, So I didn't meet Eric that night, um, oddly enough. And I had a date. I was dating this guy from arkansas who met us at the show and um i actually don't even remember being backstage i don't remember so i didn't meet him that night night, anyway but a couple nights later um my friends and i had gone back to the peabody to go see uh ron wood from the rolling stones art exhibit that was going on there and we were sitting in the lobby bar and from the back of his head. I thought it was Paul Stanley, but we were confused because mm-hmm. we kept track of all the bands and from, we we even saw them in Jackson, Mississippi, a couple of nights before um, Memphis. So we knew that they should have been gone and onto the next city, but it turns out, well, I, I, I overheard. It turned out to be Eric <laughs> and uh, a road manager and, and another guy a roadie and, and I overheard them talking about getting a taxi to go see a local band play Mm -hmm. called the willies at the midway cafe another place i was very familiar with so i just chimed in and i said i have a car i'll take you and they said sure and i tell
0: them wow so what what were your you you were with eric for 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 a while you know
2: and touch after that it's a crazy story because I was actually telling my son this the other night cause he's 19 now. So, you know, he can handle anything, but I was telling him about the, that crazy, that crazy, how crazy that night turned and how, you know, we hooked up and everything. And it should like, we should not have, it should not have, uh, I was only 18 and he was 37 and like, and, it, and then it turned into a long, serious relationship until the day he died. So yeah. yeah um, it's quite the story, but, uh, Bittersweet. Sometimes, you know, it's the best thing that happened to me, but it's also the worst thing at the same time. So anyway, I get off, I'm getting off the subject. But yeah, it, it's it's quite the story. And um, when I moved, when I wanted to move to LA, he told me not to. So Eric and I were in touch. Um, and when I told him that I wanted to move to LA on the phone, he warned me what happens to nice girls when they move mm-hmm. to LA. And uh, tried to talk me out of it, but then he also told me that he was going to be in LA recording their next album, Hot in the Shade, and so uh, my little brain went aha, and I'm definitely going. So uh, anyway, that's that's how we ended up getting serious because we were finally both in the same place for a good amount of time. So that's um, he'd come visit me at the at the Ramada West Hollywood. <laughs>
0: he was still working there. Hmm? you were still working there,
2: uh, well, yeah, well, this i Eric and I as soon as I moved to l a like almost as soon as I moved to l a he was here recording, so uh, I yeah, it was um maybe a, I probably had a, a few weeks or before he was here too. I mean, we we got together very quickly, and after that, yeah, I was working at Guitar Center for you know checking people's receipts on the way out he he'd come and visit me there and I'm still friends with everybody that works, works there. And yeah. Are you,
0: are you still friends? Uh, keep in touch with the guys from KISS?
2: Oh, not really. No. I mean, I went to see a couple of the uh end of the road tour shows. Uh Tommy Thayer invited me to a couple shows. And so I saw them in Vegas in 2019. I went to uh I happened to be in Ireland, so I went to Scotland and then I you know, I used to see Gene all the time because.
0: Um, What's your impression of Gene?
2: Well, I think probably I think a lot of the same thing about Gene that everybody else thinks. But um, <laughs> but I, I I like Gene a lot. I I I think that you know, I, the reason I like Gene is not. Look, you know, he cares about money a lot. You know, he's opinionated, but he lets ever he lets other people have their opinions too you know like he's not he's not hypocritical like he did he have a hit on you um no not really i say not really because before i met eric he flirted with me in uh that same night i told you about the eric walked down right, the right. border and i didn't meet him i did meet gene that night and he uh Gave me, a, he wrote down his. I didn't really meet him, I think he just saw me standing there. And he wrote his, uh, his room number on a little piece of paper and <laughs> handed it to me, but I didn't call it or anything. But, um, no, not not since uh, not not since I've been Eric's girl from I've known I've known Gene now, I don't know, since I was 18 and. He put me on the cover of his tongue magazine. I would see him at the Playboy right. yeah, yeah, magazine. Yeah. He's come to several of my birthday parties. I mean, like, you know, like he's, I've been to his house many times. He, yeah, I've, he, yes, he's had plenty of opportunity to hit on I me and he never has. Uh, I might be the only girl that he's never hit on, but he, um, uh, but no, he, he actually, I think he respects me, um, you know for being Eric's girlfriend and right. uh, he's always treated me uh with respect so i appreciate that
0: what about paul are you you're friendly with paul is he, or uh, is, no, is he kind
2: I of keep your distance? No you can't i can't stand I, them? no i can't stand them and i'll never go see kiss again because of him
1: he's a dick no. i'll say it out loud i met him he was an yeah. asshole
2: you know he's he's an asshole and my my reasoning for this is is uh really nothing i, I I put my feelings aside a long time ago about the way they treated Eric when he was on his deathbed. I had to because I couldn't live with that anger um, in my heart. I had to come to peace with it uh, just for my own well, mental Mm -hmm. well-being. I had to forgive and move on. And and Gene made it easy for me because he interviewed me for Tongue magazine and I told him straight out, I used to hate you. And he said, tell me all about it. I want to hear. And I did. And he printed it in the magazine. So that's why I have respect for him because he let me have my voice and speak and he respected my feelings. And on the other hand, um, Paul has never been, um, anything but a standoffish and, uh, moody and strange, but I just went, okay, well, That's just how he is. You know, it's just personality. Didn't didn't really take it too personal. It was, uh, it was. What I found out in, uh, 2019, right before I went to their show in Scotland, it's, it's because of it. It's because of Paul's memoir that, um, I can't stand him. Uh, I speak out against him whenever, um, is appropriate. Uh, and I think everyone would agree with me that if, That he he took, and again, I didn't read his memoir, so I found out about this uh, much later, and I would, it still upsets me, but I was not a playmate when I was dating Eric, and he wrote in his memoir uh, that Eric was dating some playmate, so he's using that to exploit me, and then he wrote... Awful things about Eric's wake and how bizarre his playmate uh, acted at his wake and something about me molesting his dead body. I mean, it's just unforgivable. Um, It's like, you know, do you not have enough money, enough fame? You have to take the most painful moment of my life. And exploit it in your memoir, you asshole. You know, so I don't think anyone would disagree with me that I have good reason to be upset with him. Beyond the fact that he lies in the book and said that Eric was on drugs and calls him a putz and everything else, because Eric never did a drug in his life, and um, one time he accidentally ate a space cake in Amsterdam. You know, but he was very anti-drug, so that was a complete lie. And um, you know, I just, I I just think he's a really shitty person. for doing that. And why do you even have to call Erica Putts? I mean, so it's just, so whatever, you know, I'm saying about him, he brought on himself. I didn't say anything in my memoir, you know, about him. Um, I chose not to, because it's not a book. It's not really a book about kiss. It's not about Paul and it's not, it's not his stage. But when I do interviews, um, I will speak my mind and I have not found one person that would disagree with, uh, with me that was just like it was just a really low low thing to do um to yeah he, he also in his book um talks about how everyone's treated him and gene so shitty at the wake and at the funeral and they ignored them and it's like can, can you just get off of your own fucking high horse for a minute you know, and just have some respect for other people. So it was just, no, the funeral and the wake was not about you, Paul. It wasn't your stage. It was about Eric. Yes, an excuse, everybody, for not clapping when you walked in the door, but it was a funeral, you know? So he's just an ass, period.
1: I, the, the, I think the, I, the experience I, that, that I Jim. had with him, I met both of them. And I will say, Gene is a very charming, personable person. He was very nice to me, very cool when I met Paul it was a little different situation, it was doing like an art exhibit at a gallery and he refused flat out, refused to meet any people there unless they purchased a piece of art. And the, you
2: know, know, I, I, some, a friend of mine uh, sent me a a video of his, uh, I guess he had a, a a estate sale um, not too long ago. And my friend, sent me a video that somebody snuck from inside. I just couldn't believe that he was like, like selling like, you know, pots and pans and dishes. It's like, can't you donate them to a charity or something? Like, do you not have enough money yet?
1: I know. Yeah. And I'll never, I'll never forget. There was a little kid there. He was like 10 years old. And he had a, a Paul Stanley model guitar and I've played guitar for 30 years. So I know what this kid was was going through. It was like his hero. The mother flew him and her up from New Orleans to New Jersey to meet him. And they were trying to like try and push the kid in no matter what. Like if he was, you know, wanted to buy a piece of art. And uh, they go, well, it's a 10 year old kid. And he was like, well, the mother has money to buy the piece of art. <sighs> And the kid was like crying, and I'll never forget it. Was like it was like right before like Facebook really blew up and stuff. So I blogged for the first I'm time on MySpace. Buy
2: space. It the our, yeah, that's yeah, And it
1: was like there were there were five by seven pieces of like the four solo albums, and he was charging twenty two hundred dollars a piece for them. It was absolutely insane. But oh, well, I'll tell so, you I was me, though
2: is that because you know I. I've kind of, like, inherited, whether I like it or not, like, Eric's fans, and I've become, like, this part of, like, the Kiss uh, family, and I, <laughs> I thought that when my memoir came out, and I'm very outspoken about, as you can see, I thought that I would get haters, like, I thought the Kiss fans would hate me, and instead, they all loved me, and they said that three quarters of the fun of being a Kiss fan is making fun of apology
0: <laughs> so true.
2: i'm like oh wow i didn't even know that but um but what gets me is no matter what they'll, they'll still buy anything that they'll they'll buy anything that uh,
0: oh yeah big time out. anyway though but, but look how shitty paul treated ace and, Pe- and uh, peter but particularly ace after he's been clean for the last like 17 years and still refers to him as an alcoholic and a drug addict
2: well, you know, I've heard I, I don't. I shouldn't say things that I don't know for a fact are true, but I've heard that Paul had uh, substance issues uh, privately, not uh, more like steroids and stuff. I don't know if it's true, but somebody in the KISS camp uh, told me that when they brought up the drug thing. And I wouldn't doubt it because he's so vain. But uh, honestly, I don't I, I don't know for sure anything, but. You know, I don't really feel bad spreading rumors about him, considering he put it in print in his book *The Eric to drugs when he never did. It's just such a lie. Oh, and I i never molested his dead body in his coffin, either, in case you're wondering. And um, I never took his drumsticks out of his hand. I never did anything that he said I did. He just And I was so upset when I heard that, that. I, because I, he's a huge star. Like so many, so many people are reading this in the book, and then and and little old me, like he picks on me, and at and so I, I immediately texted Bruce, his ex-wife, Loretta, Eric. So I'm like, did I do that? Did I? They're all like, no, of course you didn't do that. It's a lie. So I don't know what, how he comes up with these uh, things, but which just wasn't true and very upsetting. Anyway. Well,
0: your, your your book did very well too. So yeah, I, you know, a- I.
2: Well, yeah. it's still doing uh, well, but you know, I'm never going to be on Paul Stanley's level. Like, you can't compare. Uh, you know, I'll never get. Uh, I think
0: you're probably more candid than Paul Stanley was in his book. I'm I not read more Paul's Honest,
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I often wonder if he wrote it himself or did somebody else write it, and he didn't proofread it because, like, I'm like, it. it I mean. In any case uh, I'll never get an apology but I certainly am due one.
1: So it's <laughs> uh, like when Paul like when Paul's time finally comes and he passes like it's going to come out that he's been in the closet for the last 7 years.
2: Uh yeah, I've heard the gay rumors. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know what's true about that. I mean, uh, I you know, I've heard strong rumors of about that, but I've also never seen it um, with my own eyes. I mean, I uh, they they used to call him Phyllis on the road. The road crew did because he was, but that's because he was moody. It was like he had PMS, so they called him Phyllis. Um, he is very effeminate, but you know, I, I honestly, I don't know about, and I don't know about that. But uh, uh, who knows? I, but you know, he should. You'd think that like seeing all these other rock stars uh, passing away, you know, you'd think you'd take a good look at yourself in the mirror and start being like, you know, a little uh, nicer to people from, I don't know. I don't follow him on social media or anything, but I often people retweet things, tell me things that, you know, and I'm like, oh God, uh, cringeworthy.
0: Let's 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 bring up a couple of other uh, rock stars. Uh, just tell me what your impressions of of them are. If you've met them at any point, Vince Neal back in the day, Vince Neal.
2: Um, I know a lot of his ex-wives. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I didn't know him very well. I've only met him briefly a, a couple of times. Um, he was he was very nice. But his ex-wives uh, tell
0: me differently. That's how. <laughs> told you differently about him.
2: Well yeah, I mean, but I wasn't married to him. I just as an acquaintance that I met him, he was he was nice. I mean, I you know, my friend Heidi, uh she was a playmate too. She was with him for nine years. Um and then married to him for one year at the time we were doing Rockstar. Um uh and that was during that's during the time that he didn't have any money and she had to support him all those years and you know um the wife before that charise you know i i oh my god he's been married like six times no i so yeah i i don't have any personal experience with him at all it's just just knew his ex-wives
0: what about slash ever meet slash
2: yeah yeah i i've met slash um many times i briefly dated his bass player todd kerns about a decade ago Mm -hmm. um todd's a great guy Still friends. <laughs> um, yes. he's a sweetheart. Uh so when Todd, I met Todd when he was singing for Bruce Kulick solo um show at the cat club. Bruce invited me and um I hung out with Todd for a couple of months right when he got into Slash's band. So I um got to be around Slash quite a bit. And he was extremely cool.
0: Extremely yes, exactly. cool. New Else is cool as Bruce Kulick who was I a former Bruce. guest. Yeah, no, he was Bruce, on this Bruce show. Is like,
2: Bruce is like, I call him Uncle Uncle Bruce. I, well, now everyone calls him Uncle Bruce. I've been calling him that like for 30 years. But yeah, Bruce is like family to me. You know, like he's, I'm still best friends with his ex-wife. You know, like we all stayed very close.
0: We had Bruce and Lisa on here and they were they were tremendous. They, you know, they're, they're really like, I would say a class act. You know he really yeah, they're is
2: a, a great couple. They really are. I'm so glad Bruce found uh, um, somebody that makes him so happy,
0: okay. last name I want to bring up to you, Brett
1: Michaels Ever...
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I have a funny Brett story. It's in my book. so um, but yeah, Brett used to um Brett Brett used to have a crush on me back when I was a new playmate, and uh, I got a call from the the PR department playboy one day saying that brett michaels called and uh he said he met me the night before and lost my number so he wanted my number and i said i was home <laughs> last night i didn't even That's go the
1: oldest trick
0: night. in the book carrie
2: yeah i'm like it and i will i said maybe he was another
1: carrie,
2: <laughs> the carrie west call, a carrie uh there's a couple carrie kendall there's a couple different carrie playmates so i said maybe it was one of them and and she said no he definitely said carrie Stevens so I just laughed it off and um and then it turned out we had the same hairstylist so she told him that she did my hair and then he would give my hairstylist like signed cds and (laughs) to give me and then I'd sign like a picture and give it to her to give back to him so you know like it was this cat and mouse thing and then uh and then took a long time to get me to uh go out for a, a drink with him but it's the funniest story, because I finally go out for a drink with him. Uh, we went down to Casa Vega. It was like late, up, like late after five o'clock. It was like an early quick kind of drink. I remember because it was still daylight out. And um, we're having margaritas. And some girl like just comes up and starts screaming at him. Like just screaming at him like a lunatic. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And so I go to the bathroom. I didn't know why, why he was getting screamed at, but I come back and he's like, we've got to go. Like right now I'll, I'll bring you home. So I'm like, okay. So we go in my house and we start like making out and like he pushes me onto my bed and he's kissing me. And then all of a sudden uh, his phone goes off and he takes the call and like um, ran out. And then I found, I found out what happened later is that his girlfriend- was in labor, so that's why the oh, girl. Sh- the, yes, the girl we our drinks came up screaming at him because she. While his girlfriend was in labor, he was on a date, and so she was screaming at him. And then, um, I guess I don't know what was said on the phone when, but it, obviously, I found out later from the hairdresser that that's why he had to run out. And um, and then you know he never asked me out again or anything. I went to a show with the hairdresser many years later, like maybe a decade ago. And I went on the bus and said, hello. And we didn't even mention that that uh, ever happened, but I don't think he'd mind me telling the story because uh, you know, it was so long ago and uh, you know, his kids are grown. He's not with the same woman anymore. And with him doing uh rock of love and all the rumors surrounding that, and that he basically slept with everyone on the whole show. I think like that's his that was- thing. And I think it's like I think it's just like, that's, it's his rock star thing. So I don't mean to tell the story in any way uh, to insult him. I, I just think it's, I think it's hilarious actually. And, you know, whatever, none of my business, but uh, they worked it out, I guess, whatever. I I don't know what was going on in his relationship.
0: So. But, there anyway, an, There's another, let's get off a rock stars for a second. And when you were in college or something or, in your professional life, did you meet or interview Donald Trump?
2: No, no, I never. I uh, no, I met him several times, but I never interviewed him for anything. I met him. I've like four different times I met him, but um, uh, yeah, there's a few times, but um, yeah, I think I mean the first time was at a charity golf tournament. But I was there with my boyfriend, sitting at the same table. That was. You know, the the year before he met Stormy Daniels there, I think. And then and then uh, I know that was the second time, because the first time I met him backstage, I was doing a fashion show um, in New York City for Betsy Johnson and he was in the audience. Um, And we drove with him in his limo with Melania. uh, They weren't married yet um, um, to the after party. And they drove us back and he was winking like this at me the whole time. (laughs) We carry the eyebrows.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, d- does he have like a, 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 a charm or like a magnetism or a charisma?
2: In my opinion, I mean, I wasn't attracted to him. Uh, I thought it was a little creepy and weird. Um, I was actually naked. I was backstage changing because you have to change really quick for those fashion shows. And I felt someone staring at me and I looked and he was Winking at me like that. And then we ended up a girlfriend of mine that was also in the show used to be roommates with Melania in Paris when they were Melania, when in Paris when they were modeling together. So that's how we got invited to go with them in their limo to the after party. And then he was doing the same winking thing at me there. But no, I didn't um I didn't find it uh charming. I didn't find him attractive. I had no interest in him.
1: If you did, you could have been a former first lady, Carrie.
2: Well, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. I don't know. I don't think I'd want to trade places. Uh, that, that, uh, that, that couldn't have been an easy job.
0: That's a tough job. I will give you that. I got a tough question for you now. You ready? What do you like better, Carrie, LA or New York?
2: Um, The weather or the people? Go people. I like the East Coast people because I'm from Massachusetts and um, I like uh, you know, I, I just tend to like people who just say it like it is, you know, and um, and I find that my truest friends also end up being from the East Coast or I'm still friends with them from growing up together. Um, yeah, they're just, you, you guys are straight shooters and I like that. So, I mean, I'm not to say most people from L.A. or they're all transplants anyway. Um, but, yeah, you know, I miss it a lot. I do. But I and i I've been considering making a major change. I was even thinking of moving back to the East coast, but with this world upside down the way it is, I've been thinking maybe I ought to just wait till things settle down to make any big decisions.
0: Yeah. So what, what are you up to these days? So you, you, you said early on, I said you, you could have been in the fudge business. That was for- I used
2: to be, I used to be, but um, I had to look, my father's a scientist and um, he wanted me to be in business with him uh and it, his company is very anti sugar so and he like um it, it's called nutrigenome and um he patented a molecular hydrogen uh, that's sustainable and it's a, it's applicable to many products but the one in particular you know that i'm handling for him is called skinny snacks and my website is stayyoungandskinny.com or also skinnysnacks.net so being that that is weight loss and anti aging, and we advise people uh, not to eat sugar, <laughs> I can't very well have my fudge business uh, too. So, um, I and plus I just don't have time in my life to do everything that I I do anyway. So something had to give, um, and the fudge only really did well over the holidays anyway. So it wasn't like a huge um, loss to give it up. Um, it was good. It was really good fudge, but I can't. Do everything like i said so
0: what are you up to now what do you what are you doing these days uh, well modeling
2: yeah i mean it's tough i booked two movies um during this pandemic that just never happened like they kept getting postponed and postponed and now i'm at the point where i'm going i don't know if they're ever going to happen you know because of the the requirements in the industry now the the budget just doesn't allow for everyone on set to be covid tested, you know, every day and every you know, there's just they're the the only things in production are basically, you know, the extremely high budget um productions and so it's been limiting uh the amount of work for people, so it's kind of hitting our industry. But um I don't know. I have uh, that soap opera this week, so things are picking up and and um, you know, I'll I'll this week you'll um, we'll see where it's going to go. I'm doing some DJing, uh, but we'll yeah we'll see where that goes later this week. But um, starting starting to do that, and that's that's a new adventure being on the radio because um, well I'm kind of excited about it because I don't have to look good anymore. Like I can just like, <laughs> I can be old and fat, and it doesn't matter. I'd love to have a career in radio.
1: Oh, I know you're such a horrible, disgusting fat pig, Carrie. It's really, it's, it's, it's. I don't know why you'd ever want to be on camera. Good lord! Not really. You, you look, you, you look great. You, you sound
0: great. You know, you have, you have a, a completely interesting story. I mean, you are really a, a very interesting person. Um, so, the name of our show is called Who's Your Band? Who do you listen to, Carrie? What's your music?
2: I knew you were gonna ask that. Um, well, my favorite band, no secret, is Van Halen classic. Van Halen, David Lee Roth. Van Halen. I never get sick of it. Um uh I can listen to it like a lullaby and fall asleep um to run in with the devil. I'm weird that way. Um, that's my favorite, but I um I love Led Zeppelin. Um, I love uh Elvis, you know, Patsy Klein. I like some um some country you know I like Jake Owen I like bluesy music um but I'm more of like my tastes run uh heavier you know like probably Metallica um even Tool um I like um I'm just kind of a rocker chick I guess like um I love finding out about new bands I've never heard of uh that's fun. That's my new little hobby lately. Like I'll, I'll, I like to ask other people like who's, who I should listen to. And I've been finding out about um, the Nashville pussies, which is a strange name. So I had
1: great to, band. yeah, great they're, band.
2: they're pretty cool. And, and another one I discovered recently, I had no idea who they were, but um the song I heard was going everywhere or something. I'm going everywhere. It was, and I thought, wow, this is great. I got to find out who this is. And then it was, LA Rats, which is a super group with mm-hmm. Mickey Six and John Five and, and Jeff Rob
1: And Rob Zombie, yeah.
2: Yeah. So yep. I love that heavy uh, bass sound in that altar bridge. Um and you know, I loved all uh, slash slash's solo albums when he had a different uh, guest on vocals yeah. um, on so yeah my my taste in music um is typically just rock, you know. Just classic rock. And I love to ask my son who the newer bands are that I need to know about. Um so like Dirty Honey. Everybody's talking about Dirty Honey. Um you you
1: love Dirty Dirty Honey, Sean. I do. I love I I prefer them over Greta Van Fleet any day of the week. So I'm a big Greta Van Fleet fan. I like probably make a suggestion. I would suggest you listen to Mammoth.
0: Oh yeah. I'm just gonna ask
1: you that. Have you checked them out yet, Carrie? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. So um yeah, I mean, I don't, honestly, I'm trying to think of, you know, I'm, I'm just in general, like, if it rocks, I like it. Like, I, there's not really anything I don't like, except really pop music or rap music. And it's a rare time that there's, like, a, a song that everyone else likes that I like. Like, I cannot stand walking into a restaurant or a store if they're blasting, like, some minute techno Pop, rap, something like I turn around and walk out. I can't stand it.
0: <laughs> gotcha, uh, Sean. I'm going to let you have like the the, the last uh, questions here. You know, Sean always ends up. He always has a, a particular question he likes to ask and end with our guests. So, okay, Sean, I'm going to
1: throw it your way. <clears throat> so, if you can make your, and usually I ask this to musicians, but I will ask you, if you can make your own super group: one guitar player, one bass player, one drummer, one. One singer. Slinger. who is it who is it going to be living,
2: living, or your, living or dead living or
0: dead
1: <laughs> Stop, is living? everybody nope. asks that question hmm? living or everybody dead doesn't that question. living or
0: dead doesn't make a difference
2: my answers are so obvious though I'd put Eric Carr on drums I'd put That's David cool. Roth on vocals mm-hmm. I'd put Eddie Van Halen on guitar and let's see on bass I'd put Billy
1: Sheehan, great! Ah, Billy Sheehan, a former guest, love it. That's a great. That's a great band. I will tell you it's that. That's one of the better bands that we've gone so far on that question. So I appreciate that.
2: Oh, good because I thought it, my answers were going to be up. But... No, it
1: was a good one. That no. was actually a really good one. Because no. <laughs> normally we get the musicians. They're like, oh, you know, I love my band <laughs> so much I couldn't live without them. I, the only well, they,
2: have, the they have to be politically correct and say
0: yeah.
2: their own band I,
1: Exactly. You
0: that
2: that. I don't care who I piss off.
0: Exactly, Harry. We we really appreciate you spending an hour with us and giving us your time. You know, you, you you're great. Uh, and how could our how could our fans how could our people find you and follow you?
2: Uh, Carrie Stevens XO. I know that's cheesy, but my name was already taken, so. Uh, yeah, it was actually Playboy's idea to put the X in the O. So it's just there. So I'm Carrie Stevens XO at Instagram and at Twitter and on Facebook. I'm just Carrie Stevens. There's probably a hundred of us, but I'm probably the one with the most followers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a fly fishing thing, Carrie Stevens. If you Google Carrie Stevens, a bunch of fly fishing stuff comes up and a bunch of rumors about me that aren't true. So don't listen to them. Um, but uh, yeah, so and of course,
0: Carrie stevens.com. dot well, We're big fans of, of you, Carrie Stevens. And we again, we really appreciate you
1: taking the time out. Anything else, Sean? Um, no, follow her on social media. I mean, we got a lot of followers. So let's let's get her numbers going. You know, let's let's pump them up. And uh, thank you for a great episode. It was a lot of fun.
0: Thank
1: you. It was fun. All right. Bye, guys. We'll see you next week on Who's Your Band? Take
0: care, everybody. Thanks, Carrie.
2: You're welcome. Anytime.